Hey, Wiki listeners, it's Rachel. And Victor, did you know I host the fantastic NYC Talent Show every Monday night at the Parkside Lounge in New York City? It's an off-off Broadway showcase where you can see New York's underground performance art up close. We've got weekly special guests like Colin Quinn, Janine Garofalo, Tone Bell, and lots more. Use the code WIKILISTEN for a special discount on tickets when you go to nyctalentshow.com. That's nyctalentshow.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is the Wikipedia page for H.H. Holmes. Welcome to Wikilisten, the podcast where we read Wikipedia pages and provide commentary. I'm Victor Vernado, KSN. And I'm Rachel Teichman, LMSW, reminding you to smash that subscribe button with your serial killer literature. Yes, that's right. Just destroy it as you would a human life if you're a serial killer. Uh, today, we have a very special guest on this show. We have Hillary Campbell. She is a New Yorker cartoonist and author of Murder Book. Hi, that's Hillary. True. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Hi, hello. So delightful sounding for someone mm-hmm. who's obsessed with serial killers. Mm. I have many layers. <laughs> well, today we're reading about a serial killer. I won't spoil what's so surprising about this serial killer for people who haven't heard about him, but uh, I guess we should just get right into it, shall we? Yes. Let's All do right. it. Here we go. H.H. Holmes. For the science fiction author who occasionally used the pseudonym H.H. Holmes, see Anthony Boucher. Herman Webster Mudgett. May 16th, 1861 to May 7th, 1896, better known as Dr. Henry Howard Holmes, or H.H. Holmes, was an American con artist and serial killer. The subject of more than 50 lawsuits in Chicago alone until his execution in 1896. He chose a career of crime, including insurance fraud, swindling, check forging, three to four bigamous illegal marriages, murder and horse theft. A horse, horse theft. theft is at the end there. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Like, and he also stole a horse. <laughs> what a jerk. <laughs> Despite his confession of 27 murders, including some people who were verifiably still alive while awaiting <laughs> execution, Holmes was convicted and sentenced to death for only one murder, that of accomplice and business partner Benjamin Petetzel. Petezel. That's a hard one. Do you know it? <laughs> No, I don't know that. I'm like, what is that name? All right, I'm going to go with Petzl. Yeah. 
and business partner Benjamin Patetzel. It is believed he killed three of the Patetzel children as well as three mistresses, the child of one of the said mistresses, and the sister of another. Holmes was executed on May 7th, 1896, nine days before his 35th birthday. My god, he accomplished a lot. Okay. (laughs) Much of the lore surrounding the murder castle, along with many of his alleged crimes, are considered likely exaggerated or fabricated for sensationalistic tabloid pieces. Many of these factual inaccuracies have persisted due to the combination of ineffective police investigation and hyperbolic tabloid journalism, which are often cited as historical record. Holmes gave various contradictory accounts of his life, initially claiming innocence and later that he was possessed by Satan. His (laughs) propensity for lying has made it difficult for researchers to ascertain the truth on the basis of his statements. The one thing that popped into my head was when they were talking about the ineffectual police work, it just made me think of the Keystone Cops because his hat is a Keystone Cops hat. And so that oh, was thinking, of course, they'd be ineffectual if they were Keystone Cops, but that really has nothing to do with the story. That's all. No, but it's a nice thought. Rachel, do you know what Keystone Cops are? Or are you going to tell me how old I am again? I'm just going to tell you how old you are again. Oh, <laughs> great. Since the 1990s, Holm has often been described as a serial killer. However, Adam Seltzer <laughs> points, hey, the guy. points out in his book on Holmes, just killing several people isn't necessarily enough for most definitions of a serial killer. More often, it has to be a series of similar crimes committed over a period of time, usually more to satisfy a psychological urge on the killer's part than any more practical motive. And the murders we can connect him, Holmes, to generally had a clear motive. Someone knew too much or was was getting in the way and couldn't be trusted. The murders weren't simply for love of bloodshed, but a necessary part of furthering his swindling operations and protecting his lifestyle. Then he's still a serial killer. Come on. Like, yeah, he's still a serial killer. Like, that's... That's his urge, is that people get in his way. Okay. I disagree I mean, he, with Adam Seltzer. I think he's a worse kind of serial killer if he if he's not acting upon a murderous urge that he has inside or like some sort of It's more thing of a selfish urge. Yeah, yeah, it's more of a selfish, it's more like, oh, they're in my way. So yeah. they're dead. So that's exactly I just that's uh, logical. What like did you say? Movie. Rachel? <laughs> I said, that's logical. You know, oh. they're in my way. Get them out of the way. Uh, I think we'll mm-hmm. keep remote recording forever. Oh, <laughs> boiled again. Illinois and the murder castle. Holmes arrived in Chicago in August 1886, which is when he began using the name H.H. Holmes. He came across Elizabeth S. Holton's drugstore at the northwest corner of South Wallace Avenue and West 63rd Street in Englewood. Holton gave Holmes a job, and he proved to be a hard-working employee, eventually buying the store. Although several books portray Holton's husband as an old man who quickly vanished along with his wife, Dr. Holton was a fellow Michigan alumnus, only a few years older than Holmes, and both Holtons remained in Englewood throughout Holmes's life and survived well into the 20th century. It is a myth that they were killed by Holmes. Likewise, Holmes did not kill alleged castle victim Miss Kate Durkee, 
who turned out to be very much alive. This is so weird. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Holmes purchased an empty lot across from the drugstore, where construction began in 1887 for a two-story mixed-use building, with apartments on the second floor and retail spaces, including a new drugstore. A creditor of Holmes named John DeBruyle died of apoplexy on April 17, 1891, in the drugstore. When Holmes declined to pay the architects or the steel company, Atna Iron and Steel, they sued in 1888. In 1892, he added a third floor, telling investors and suppliers he intended to use it as a hotel during the World's Columbian Exposition, though the hotel portion was never completed. In 1892, the hotel was somewhat completed with three stories and a basement. The ground floor was the storefront. Fictionalized accounts report that Holmes constructed the hotel to lure in tourists visiting the nearby World's Fair in order to murder them and sell their skeletons for medical schools. There is no evidence that Holmes ever tried to lure strangers into his hotel to murder them. In fact, none of his likely victims were strangers. Holmes did have a history of selling cadavers to medical schools. However, he acquired his wares through grave robbing rather than murder. Well, that's more acceptable. (laughs) Why are you just being creepy today? I don't know. It's funny, though. (laughs) Reports by the Yellow Press labeled the building as Holmes's murder castle, claiming the structure contained secret torture chambers, trapdoors, gas chambers, and a basement crematorium. None of these claims were true. Other accounts claim that the hotel was made up of over 100 rooms and laid out like a maze, with doors opening into brick walls, windowless rooms, and dead-end staircases. In reality, the hotel floor was moderately sized and largely unremarkable. It did contain some hidden rooms, but they were used for hiding furniture homes bought on credit and did not intend to pay for. I I like the idea... This is like Winchester Mystery House, but also not. It's like... yeah. I like the idea that like it's like the the hotel is like the inside of like one of those Hellraiser boxes from the movie Hellraiser. Yeah. Like that's like just continually like moving and changing rooms that are all meant to kill you. It would be great if it was like a supernatural hotel. That'd be amazing. Sure. And then that would just be another rumor. It seems like his (laughs) whole life is rumors. So Mm -hmm. listen, I can relate. The hotel was gutted by a fire started by an unknown arsonist shortly after Holmes was arrested, but was largely rebuilt and used as a post office until 1938. Besides his infamous murder castle, Holmes also had a one-story factory, which he claimed was to be used for glass bending. It is unclear if the factory furnace was ever used for glass bending. It was speculated to have been used to destroy incriminating evidence of Holmes's crimes. Wiki listeners, you can help support us by listening to this message while you read up on actual serial killers. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to that message and supporting Wiki. Listen, you really rock. During the break, Rachel killed seven people. <laughs> I will go on record and say that that is a rumor. It's all a rumor. Uh, All right. Everyone, it's time for everybody's favorite part, early victims. Here we go. Early victims. One of Holmes' early victims was his mistress, Julia Smythe. 
By the way, everybody's names in here are amazing. Mudget is an amazing name. Julius Smythe. And nice. the Pitazol or Pitazol or what, you know, it almost looks like pretzel. Yes, Miss P- Mr. Pictacowettle, that guy. He's yeah. great. Yeah. She was the wife of Ned Isilius Connor, who had moved into Holmes' building and began working at his pharmacy's jewelry counter. After Connor found out about Smythe's affair with Holmes, he quit his job and moved away, leaving Smythe and her daughter, Pearl, behind. Smythe gained custody of Pearl and remained at the hotel, continuing her relationship with Holmes. This is all, maybe actually all the inspiration of the movie Pearl, which I just saw. Oh, really? It's really good. I'll have to check it out. It's scary, but fun. Okay. Julia and Pearl disappeared on Christmas Eve of 1891, and Holmes later claimed she had died during an abortion. Despite his medical (laughs) background, Holmes was unlikely to be experienced in carrying out abortions, and mortality from such a procedure was high at that time. Holmes claimed to have poisoned Pearl, likely to hide the circumstances of her mother's death. A partial skeleton, possibly of a child around Pearl's age, was found when excavating Holmes's cellar. Pearl's father, Ned, was a key witness at Holmes's trial in Chicago. He just is doing so many things. Emmeline Sagrande, another great name, yeah, began working in the building in May 1892 and disappeared that December. Rumors following her disappearance claimed she had gotten pregnant by Holmes, possibly being a victim of another failed abortion that Holmes tried to cover up. This guy, well, I guess he supports abortions, though, which is like... That's true, but that's (laughs) common ground. He's trying to give them, you know? He's just terrible at it. Yeah. (laughs) He's just doing his best. Oh, my God. Another young girl who had worked for Holmes in his building named Emily Van Tassel vanished too. Wow. Does everybody have like names meant for romance novels? Yeah. Well, I mean, no, never mind. What were you going to say? Well, I was going to say that in this time period, in that section of the country, there were probably a bunch of British descendants, as mentioned earlier in the article. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that's where a lot of these names are coming from. Just really creative British people. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what British names were like in that era. Well, neither do I. So if you, you don't know, what are you even talking about? You, that's why I said never mind. But you were like, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, then you're right. <laughs> My mistake. <laughs> My mistake. While working in the chemical bank building on Dearborn Street, Holmes met and became close friends with Benjamin Patetzel a carpenter with a criminal past who was exhibiting in the same building a coal bin he had invented. Holmes used Patetzel as his right-hand man for several criminal schemes. A district attorney later described Patetzel as Holmes's tool, his creature. <laughs> this is great. Dot, dot, dot. His creature. Very freaking stinging, you know? That's great. In early 1893, a one-time actress named Minnie Williams moved to Chicago. Holmes claimed to have met her in an employment office, though there were rumors he had met her in Boston years earlier. He offered her a job at the hotel as his personal stenographer, and she accepted. Holmes persuaded Williams to transfer the deed to her property in Fort Worth, Texas, to a man named Alexander Bond, an alias of Holmes. Dastardly. 
I want to be called a one-time actress. That's a great phrase. Like, well, I did it once. I'm a one-time <laughs> actress. In April 1893, Williams transferred the deed with Holmes serving as the notary. <laughs> Holmes later signed the deed over to Petetzel, giving him the alias Binton T. Lyman. The next month, Holmes and Williams presenting themselves as husband and wife rented an apartment in Chicago's Lincoln Park. Minnie's sister Annie came to visit, and in July, she wrote to her aunt that she planned to accompany Brother Harry to Europe. Neither Minnie nor Annie were seen alive after July 5th, 1893. That's too bad. Although not proven... Holmes was suspected of killing six other persons who vanished between 1891 and 1895. Dr. Rustler, who had an office in the castle, went missing in 1892. Kitty Kelly, a stenographer for Holmes, also went missing in 1892. John G. Davis of Greenville, Pennsylvania, went to visit the 1893 World's Fair and vanished. In 1920, his daughter asked that he be declared legally dead. Henry Walker of Greensburg, Indiana, who went missing in November 1893, was alleged to have insured his life to Holmes for $20,000 and wrote to friends that he was working for Holmes in Chicago. Milford Cole of Baltimore, Maryland, was alleged to have disappeared after receiving a telegram from Holmes to come to Chicago in July 1894. An otherwise unknown victim was a Lucy Burbank. Her bank book was found in the castle in 1895. (laughs) <laughs> wow that's just so I mean, many people yeah that's a lot that's a Those lot are of people early disappear. Victims. yeah that's just to disappear around you yeah that's I a lot of people that disappear them. connected to you i say the fanciful. he sure sounds like a serial killer <laughs> yeah he? he does he does like a lot of people think that he is like one of the first like serial serial killers but i don't know do you know who's the first serial serial killer I mean, Jack the Ripper's like always the one t- talked about, but I bet there's more. He's there's gotta be him. more. There but has Jack, to be more. Has Jack the Ripper ever been confirmed though? No. No. There so like, a... but he's but like a yes. confirmed killer. This guy is like a confirmed person. Well, yeah, but with a lot of the word alleged. <laughs> that is true. And everybody did have thing. amazing names like that. Rumor, rumor, rumor. <laughs> Thanks for being here with us. Yes, thank you. First of all, uh, I want everybody to check out Murder Book. I've checked out Murder Book. It's awesome. Second of all, check out... Hillary. do you want to tell people where to find you online? Online? You know, these days I say find me on Substack. I have a weekly newsletter that is both free or you can have a paid option. And it's just cartoonsbyhillary.substack.com. And that's where I'm putting my stuff these days. I don't trust Instagram anymore. I say, boo, Instagram. (laughs) All right. There you have it. Go to Substack, everybody. Those of you that are older, get ready to learn a whole new platform. (laughs) Exactly. I know. (laughs) This has been the Wikipedia page for H.H. Home. Thanks for listening to Wikilisten. You can find us at wikilisten.com and on all social media and on TikTok at Wikilisten, except for Twitter, which is at wiki underscore listen. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button with your alleged serial killers. If there's a particular Wikipedia page you'd like us to read, please let us know. We'll read it. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. 
If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.